Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. May the blessing of God fall richly on your home today. We're continuing to speak about point number six in making your home a home That is an exciting home. And point number six is the home is a prayer center. We've already talked about it, but I do want to tell you a little bit more about praying in your home. I I think it is so important. We talked last week about uh, even having a prayer meeting in your home. But of course, you can have a prayer meeting every day as you pray with your family. And I trust that you do seek to pray with your children every morning and every evening because uh, this is the precedent, the principle that God gave us, the morning and evening principle. Uh, One of the things that I find that really blesses our home in praying is our prayer boxes. Some of you may have heard me speak about prayer boxes, and I have written in Above Rubies about prayer boxes. I wonder if you have ever made a prayer box. Well, I'll tell you about it again. Maybe this time you will make one. When I was raising our children, I started out with making a family prayer box. You always start little. And so I just got hold of a little box and made it pretty and wrote on it our family prayer box and wrote cards and wrote the names of each of the children, mummy and daddy, grandparents, aunties and uncles and cousins. And so when it came time to pray... We would pass the box around and children could take out a name. That gave them something specific to pray for. Because especially little children, uh, they become very insular in their prayers. They often end up praying, Dear Jesus, give us a good day tomorrow and give us a good night's sleep tonight. Amen. But we are the ones who teach them to pray. We have to teach them how to enlarge their prayers. And so now they've got someone specific to pray for. It may be an auntie or uncle uh, that they haven't really been praying for. Or maybe a sibling who they've just been quarreling with and now they have to pray for them. And it's so important that we pray for one another as a family And so we continue to have this prayer box in our home all these years later. And this prayer box we use every morning and every evening. We always use our family prayer box. Now it has so many more names in it today because our family has grown and grown and grown. So it's not only our children but their spouses and their children and then their children. And so this box is packed full. But we cannot be insular. 
And so we have other prayer boxes. I started out way back with our world-changing prayer box and put in that cards of other people we were praying for, missionaries, people who were in need, and so on. And uh, But now we actually have in our home nine prayer boxes currently. So what we do, we don't use them all every uh, morning and evening, otherwise we'd be the whole day praying. Well, that would be good, but we have other things to do. And so we always use our family prayer box and we add one other prayer box and we take turns with our other prayer boxes. Some of the other prayer boxes we have is, of course, we still have our world-changing prayer box with the needs of all kinds of current things that are happening in the world that we need to pray about. We have our persecuted Christians prayer box. I believe this is so important. In fact, dear ladies, I believe we all need to have this prayer box in our home because Hebrews 13 tells us that we are to pray for those who are being persecuted and we're meant to pray for those in prison as though we were in prison with them, as though we were feeling the pain of the torture in our own bodies. We're to really feel what they are going through and to cry out to God for them. I find this uh, just so important. In fact, I often feel as we are praying for the persecuted church that if I was being persecuted, I would be so longing that someone was praying for me. And I find it such a privilege to pray for them. I know that we often can't really feel the pain and torture they're going through. I remember some time back, Serene really challenged me. Uh, My daughter, Serene, uh, they are in the process of continuing to build their home. And she was coming down a ladder from their second story. And uh, she had a long skirt on, somehow it got tangled and she fell. The ladder fell. She landed on her back. Could have been very, very serious. Praise God, she was fine, but she was in utter pain as she fell, as you can imagine. And instead of just crying out for herself, she cried out for the persecuted church. She said, Mom, I, I so feel so terrible when we're praying for the persecuted church because I feel so great in my body and I have nothing wrong with me. And I, how do I feel their pain? And she said, when I felt this torturous pain going through my body, I immediately felt, oh, I can pray and intercede for the for the persecuted church. And so she began to cry out for them. I felt quite challenged about that. And it was a few weeks later that I myself fell and I broke three of my ribs. Now, you know, ribs, they just have to heal, but they can be very painful at the beginning. And so every time I was in this pain, I also was challenged by Serene and began to pray for the persecuted church. But don't wait till you feel in pain. Uh, get, a, 
get a box and uh, just there's so many needs you can get on the internet and find out there are 60 different countries that are persecuting Christians. North Korea is one of the most persecuting uh, nations of the world. And uh, so we need to pray for them. And uh, we also have our Israel prayer box. Once again, this is not really an um, option because we are commanded to pray for Jerusalem, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We are commanded to pray, to, to stand on the walls and pray and, not, and to give God no rest until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. And uh, so there were so many needs for Israel. And as she is surrounded by her enemies that want to throw her into the sea. And uh, so find out all you can and fill your box with cards to pray for Israel. Uh, We have our national prayer box. We actually don't have a prayer box for this one. We have a Liberty Bell, a dear friend of ours who has often uh, stayed with us on occasions. He came back one time and he had a little miniature uh, Liberty Bell, said, this is what you need, Nancy, for your praying for the nation. So we use that and we have that packed uh, with the needs for our nation and our president and his family, our vice president, our senators, our congressmen, uh, the specific leaders, uh, and uh, those who are notably involved in the nation. We have all their names on cards, and we pray for them and the issues that we are facing in our nation. And uh, once again, because we usually record on Wednesdays, and Wednesday night is our prayer meeting. We'll also be praying tonight for the nation again. And uh, actually, just recently, I was reading through the Psalms and uh, was noticing uh, how often David was praying about his enemies. David had so many enemies, and many of his prayers are against his enemies and they're pretty powerful prayers. And as I was reading them, I thought, wow, these are prayers that we can pray for our President Trump because he has so many enemies. I don't think there has ever been a president that has so many uh, hating him and slandering him and wanting to impeach him and uh, coming against him. And so I began to uh, write them all out. And I now have uh, 40 different prayers that David prayed. Such prayers as, oh God, uh, save him. Uh, from the net that they are trying to catch them and cause his enemies to fall into that same net themselves. Oh God, save him from their slandering tongues and and so on. Uh, There's all these prayers that David prayed and the biblical prayers. They're not just made up. And uh, so every day now, uh, we will pray some of those prayers against 
uh, Trump's enemies. Now, I have them all uh, on my computer, so if you are interested, um, you're welcome to just email me, nancy at aboverubies.org, and I'll be happy to send them to, to you, so you can pray too. Uh, we also have our marriage and family restoration prayer box. Many marriages that are falling apart and we're praying for them. We have our salvation and healing prayer box for those who need healing, those who need salvation. We have our countries and capitals prayer box, all the most strategic uh, capitals and countries in the world. And we have the capital and the nation listed. We have their prime minister uh, or president named on the back. And we pray for them. And uh, then the ninth prayer box we have is our Above Rubies prayer box, where we pray for this magazine as it goes out into the nations, all our bases around the world. Above Rubies goes to well over 100 countries of the world, and uh, we have many bases who send it out to all these different countries. We pray for our workers. We pray for the families. We pray for the marriages, um, that they will be blessed and healed and as they receive the magazine. So those are our nine current prayer boxes. Now, you may not want nine boxes, but do you think you could start with one or two or two or three? you will be amazed at how it will enable your children to get into prayer, to pray for things that they've never prayed for before, to pray for issues that they would never think about praying. And you're leading them out into realms of prayer. You're leading them to pray for nations. You're giving them a heart for the world. You are becoming a world-changing family. In fact, dear precious mothers, as you begin to pray for the needs of the world, you become a world-changing changing family even though you may be just praying hidden away in your f little home here we are out in the woods um, on the hilltop who knows what we're doing in our home nobody needs to know but God knows he hears our cry and we are impacting nations of the world I often feel as we're praying <coughs> as we pray for nations that we cannot even get into because if we were to preach the gospel in those nations, our heads would be chopped off. And yet as we pray, God is moving. We're hearing stories of many, many people coming to the Lord in Iran and through dreams and visions. And this is happening because God's people are praying. We impact nations that we cannot even move into by praying in our homes. Oh, just get a vision, dear precious mother, for what you can do, how powerful your family can be. I love that scripture in Leviticus chapter 26, and it's talking here in the context of war. 
in uh, verses 7 and 8, and it says, And you shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. Now, precious ladies, what is the greatest way we fight our enemies? We're not fighting flesh and blood. We are fighting principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. And we fight them in prayer and in intercession. And here it tells us that five of you can put a hundred enemies to flight. Maybe you are a family, husband and wife, and maybe only three children yet. That's five. As you pray together, you can put 100 enemies to flight. The Bible says that 100 of you, my, that's just how many, 20 families of five each, can put 10,000 to flight. Just imagine as families get praying together all across this nation. Oh. Will you be part of this revival? Part of bringing revival back to this nation? You can be part of it as you begin to pray as a family. What about families? Some of you have six children, seven, eight, nine, ten children. What a prayer meeting you can have around your table every morning and every evening impacting this nation, impacting the nations of the world because there is no greater way that you can impact them. Oh, take up the challenge. I am also always convicted by that scripture. And Jeremiah, let me turn to it. Jeremiah chapter 10 10 verse 25 and it says here pour out thy fury upon the heathen that know thee not and upon the families I wonder what families it goes on to say and upon the families that call not on thy name. What a challenging scripture. This scripture, not me, ladies, I'm not saying it, but this scripture is saying that the families who do not call upon the Lord, that they might as well be heathen. God equates them along with the heathen. If they do not call upon the name of the Lord, if we say that we belong to God, if we confess that we are believers, we will be those who call upon the name of the Lord. We'll be those who cry out to God. 
on behalf of the nation, on behalf of the families and the marriages that are weakening in this nation, on behalf of the nations of the world, because God himself beholds the nations of the world. He looks upon them and he dwells in us. And Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding on our behalf 24-7. And he wants to intercede through us also. So let's rally. Amen. Let's make our homes praying homes. Amen. Well, let's move on. Number seven. Number seven. Our homes are cultural development centers or play centers. You don't have to send your child to a daycare daycare or a play center or somewhere to entertain them. We can do that in our home. Make your home a play center for your little ones. You can be so creative. I used to love to make homemade Play-Doh for my children. They would spend hours making things out of homemade Play-Doh. And then I would find a, a sort of a tub with water in it and usually do that outside and put toys in it and things that they could play with and let them play in the water. There's so many simple little things that we can do with our little children we don't have to be taking them out to entertain them. We can be creative in our homes. There's so many creative things that we can do and make to, uh, for our children. Plus, we don't even have to always be um, you know, giving them things to be creative. We can let them be creative. I think that play is a very important thing for children and especially allowing them to be creative. Often too many toys take away that creativity. Did you know we don't need a lot of toys? There's a, often you go into homes, there's so many plastic toys around. Children get bored with them very soon anyway. But it's a wonderful thing to just let our children be creative. Often um, when my children were little, I would just let them play. They would rearrange my whole home. They would get the chairs. They would make them into trains and buses. They would get my sofas and chairs and old blankets and eiderdowns that I would keep and they would take them and make huts and and uh, then they'd want me of course to make uh, little plates of food for them to eat inside their huts and their houses they made and and uh, often <clears throat> they would and take all morning to uh, make this and play this creative game. Well, actually, often they wouldn't play it. They'd, they'd spend all their time making it and doing it. And then when they got it ready, well, they were finished. I mean, the great uh, thing they enjoyed was actually making it and creating it. 
Children love to create. Give them opportunity to create themselves. You'll find that they will grow up to be creative. If we just have to entertain them with little toys and always be giving them something that we give them to do, uh, we're not allowing them to think or be creative for themselves. I think this is so important. And of course, you'll be a reading mother. Uh, We did a podcast on reading to our children. Uh, That's just so important. All right, let's move on. Trying to move on a little more quickly. Number eight, we make our home a social center. Now, many people say that the reason they send their children off to a school is because they want them to have socialization. Oh my, what a weak excuse to send your children to a place where they're going to hear opposite things that you believe, to a place that is no longer a place where Uh, They can have prayer, where they can have God's word, where they will hear truth that you have convictions about as a believer. They will hear everything the opposite. And their socialization, dear mothers, will be the very opposite kind of socialization that you want them to have because they will mix with peers who will be a negative influence to them. This is one of the worst things about the public school is also the socialization. It's the peers that they mix with so that they learn a whole different culture than the godly culture we are seeking to uh, to give them. Now, of course, the day is coming when they're going to... Um, you know, go out and live amongst this ungodly culture. But our little ones are not ready for that yet. We are getting them stronger. We're getting them ready to live in this ungodly culture. But in our home, uh, when you are homeschooling your children, and especially if you have many children, well, there's loads of socialization Oh, goodness me. And it's the socialization that is uh, greater because it's of varying ages. It is very important for children to be able to associate with children who are older and then uh, just reach out and play with children who are younger and to be able to relate to children of all ages rather than just their peers of their own age age. Sadly today, as young people grow, they only know how to mix with their own age group. And uh, we gear it to that in the public school. And then we go to church and we gear it to that again. And they go off to Sunday school and children's uh, classes all in the same age group. And they're constantly be putting in that age group that is the same as they are. God wants it to be diversified. He wants them to be able to speak 
speak and and uh, converse uh, intelligently even with older people and so make your home a social center now if you only have a small family and maybe god has only blessed you with a little family because the number of our children is not the number we decide it's the number god gives us sometimes god only gives one or two children other times he gives many it's god's prerogative but you can do so many things in your home this is where home is so exciting oh if you have teens in your home we'll make opportunities to uh, have other godly teens come in and and do special things we of course up here on the hilltop we just have parties all the time because we have a number of families all around us and there's so many cousins and they all meet together for parties and and uh, every birthday party and uh, so there's so much socialization um, they just are overloaded with socialization and um, but you can make things happen I'm a great believer in making things happen and not just for the age groups of your children but to reach out to others and what about thinking of putting on a luncheon for some a few widows that you know get your children to help you with the cooking and when these precious widows come into your home teach your children how to bless them and minister to them and make them feel at home and wait on them and then you can get them to prepare maybe they can sing or they can uh, play musical instruments or they can recite a poem and you can put on a concert for them after the meal such a beautiful thing you can do in your home Uh, you can do that for widows you can do it for other elderly people it's a beautiful thing for your children to learn how to reach out to older people uh, in hospitality you can do it for some a single mum or a couple of single mums and bring them into your home you can gather with other homeschoolers you can open your doors in hospitality oh you can think of all kinds of ideas but be creative and and realize that you can make your home a most wonderful socialization center a godly social center so that your children uh, are in a godly environment but still receiving uh, all the socialization they ever need number nine our home is an eating center well you know that don't you dear precious mother so much time uh, of our mothering is spent in the kitchen uh, where we're cooking meals breakfast lunch and supper and often in between we always seem to be preparing meals always seem to be cooking do you sometimes complain about it grumble oh no not another meal to get can i encourage you don't despise this part of your mothering 
embrace it with all your heart, for this is very much part of who you are as a mother. We go to a scripture in 1 Timothy 5 verse 10. And in the context is talking about widows. There were very many widows in the church and Timothy didn't know what to do with them all. So he wrote to Paul about it. And Paul wrote back and he said, Timothy, this is what I want you to do. If these widows have children or grandchildren, they have the responsibility to provide for them and to care for them. However, if they don't have any children or grandchildren, uh, the widows who are truly widows, who are 60 years of age and over, and have lived a certain lifestyle, I want you to look after them. Okay, let's have a look at the lifestyle. Because when we read this lifestyle, we realize this is God's ultimate plan for women. And the women, the mothers who have embraced this lifestyle, as they get older, maybe their children are no longer with them and there's no one to look after them. God says, I'll look after you from my people because you have lived the way I intended. Now, God lists some things and he lists them all in order. God's word is very, very specific. And he always lists first things first. So let's see it. I'm just turning over to 1 Timothy 5.10 and here I am. 1 Timothy 5.10 and it says, If she is well reported of for good works. That word uh, is a word that means beautiful works. The first one is if she has brought up children. Then goes on to say if she has lodged strangers, if she's opened her doors in hospitality, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. I want to reward that woman and I want you to care and provide for her, he told Timothy. Now, let's look at the first one. If she has brought up children, the very, uh, that word brought up is technotrophio. Two words, technon meaning child, trophio to nourish with food, to pamper with food, to feed. Isn't that interesting? The word to bring up children has everything to do with food. It means to feed them. It starts off with nursing your little babe at the breast. But then it doesn't stop there. We keep feeding them and feeding them and feeding them. And the bigger they get, we more we have to feed them. 
And uh, so, lovely ladies, don't despise this ministry. This is part of your mothering ministry. Embrace it. I was so blessed, and I'll just end with this little story. Uh, One time I was watching a movie called Babette's Feast. You may have watched it. If you haven't, get a hold of it. Uh, When I watched it, it was black and white, uh, subtitled, and it's quite slow moving. But now it's in color and it's also in English. But it is an amazing story uh, talking about a woman who was an amazing chef. And uh, although the people she was living with didn't know it, and one day she cooked this incredible meal. She used her whole um, inheritance on cooking this meal. And it just brought miracles to this community. It was just amazing how this meal changed the lives of these people who'd become very grumbling and and irritable. And uh, anyway, there was a person at that meal, and uh, he had been to this famous... Um, famous cafe in France where there was an incredible chef and uh, he got up and gave a speech about this chef because this meal reminded him of the meals that he would eat at that place. He didn't know it was the very woman. And he said these words. In fact, on the, on the movie, uh, it just said that this woman knew how to make every meal into a love affair. When I heard those words, I grabbed a hold of them. They affected me. And from that time, I have always taken those words and made that my own goal to make every meal, every meal I put on my table, to make it a love affair for the people I am serving, for my husband, or whoever I have around my table. But then I got hold of the book, and this is the exact quote. This woman is now turning a dinner into a kind of love affair, into a love affair of the noble and romantic category in which one no longer distinguishes between bodily and spiritual appetite or satiety. And so a meal is far more than just eating uh, to appease your bodily appetites. It's also to appease that hunger in your soul and your spirit. And uh, that's the whole concept of the meal. That's the concept I love to share with women and remind you about today, dear mother, that when you cook a meal, it's not just to uh, just put some food on for your children to appease their hunger. No, it's more than that. You're going to minister to their bodies, but also their soul and their spirit. When you put a meal on the table, it's to feed body, soul, and spirit.
And that's when it becomes a love affair. When you're preparing the meal, you're thinking more than just what you're going to prepare, although you think about that and how you can make it nutritious, how you can make it appealing, uh, how you can just make it so appetizing. But you're thinking about what you're going to talk about at the meal table. And you're thinking about the ultimate of when you will then open God's word and and you'll feed the spirit. And so it's a love affair of the whole man. And uh, it becomes such a blessing. But time is up again. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you will remind me again and remind every precious mother wife and daughter listening of the power of a meal and how every meal can be a love affair. Save us, O God, from just living in the grind. Save us from living in the drudgery. Take us to living in the delight and making our meals a delight, making our homes a delight. O God, Just take us out of the ordinary into the extraordinary. Oh God, to live just not in the mundane, but in, Lord, the miraculous and and, uh, just in all the glory of what you have for us in our homes. Bless every mother again today. In Jesus' name, amen. In that home. 